0: This is Inside Outlands. I am your host, Nat Ryle, and joining joining me today is Owen, one of the developers of UO Outlands. Hey, man, thanks for, for coming on and, and talking to me.
1: My pleasure. It's good to chat with you again.
0: Yeah, it's been a while. I think the last time I got together was before the launch of Outlands on the uh, Sandbox podcast, and then you raided me briefly in our, I think, episode one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it seems like a lifetime ago that we did that podcast, and I remember being so nervous to you know, talk. I specifically bought the mic just to do that podcast, and was so excited to promote the the server. Had no idea what Outlands was going to turn into at that point, for sure. But since then, we've done all the debriefs and other podcasts and guested elsewhere, and taken on a life of its own.
0: Yeah, we don't announce numbers on the Sandbox podcast, but it's one of our one of our bigger downloads. And Not I really. was yeah, <laughs> I was for sure nervous, but I think it went really well. Uh, because you were really passionate about the game, and it, it came through, and I think it actually brought a lot of people to the game. Well, as much as the podcast can, but it's a good listen. I, I've actually sent it someone recently to go listen to kind of like sell them on the game a little bit.
1: Right. Should redo it now that uh, now that I know more about how the game's running. Different <laughs> well, uh, different kind of worms.
0: Yeah, that's a little bit what today is about. I think we're going to try to keep this focused on just how the shard's been going. Uh, you know, thoughts. Uh, Anything that's happened in the last six months, you know, uh what you feel about the game, what things you've learned, challenges you've overcome, stuff like that. Uh we have a huge patch coming that, that comes with so much new stuff for the game, lots of end game content. And I think that'll be your focus tomorrow on the debrief. So we're gonna try to keep this all about how the shard's been going pretty much. Perfect. Sounds great. So, uh, yeah. So let's get right into it. How has the last six months been going? What, what's your overall thought so far?
1: Well, it's been pretty amazing, to be honest. If you know, if I'd known the magnitude of of what we were creating when I first started, or even when I first started working on the map, or, or even dreaming about Outlands as an entity of its own, I don't think I ever would have imagined half of what we've accomplished and where we've ended up so far. It's been A huge learning curve, but also extremely satisfying to, you know, feel like, in a way, we've we've reinvigorated Ultima Online as a title, Um, kind of done justice to a game that we all really loved when we were younger. You know, most of us might have started playing when we were twelve or thirteen, and now we're thirty plus playing a game, and it's it's been it's been fun for sure. I've, I've learned a lot um someone asked me recently if i would if i would do it again knowing what i know now you know if i would launch myself into this world and into this position and and be this you know head of a shard that's this popular i i probably would i think it's been a really interesting journey so far and the shards the shards doing great
0: that's good to hear. I'm glad that I'm glad you're not saying uh, I would never do this again. And I quit today. <laughs> uh,
1: there are definitely you know. days like that, for sure. I think one of the main things that I've learned a lot about is um, project management, I guess, and managing a team of staff members and and being the point of contact for a developing shard like Outlands. That's been a big learning curve. You know, it's not part of my day-to-day job that requires me to deal with this number of people but also um community management as a whole has been a learning curve in and of itself and that's kind of something that I just fumbled my way through going going along tried to let my moral compass guide me if there is such a thing
0: yeah before before we tackle that let's uh before this the shard launched i think you could tell that this could do what it's done for UO you could see that in the patch notes you could see that in the in the beta you could see it in the, in the things you guys were doing, but execution that that's where it all is and you guys have just nailed that from day one and I think uh, without that this could have gone completely different where you know you've got a hundred players today and not not over fifteen hundred every day
1: right I think a lot of that comes from you know past experiences and also just the fact that Luthius and i both work in professional capacities that require we operate in a professional capacity so we have these expectations for ourselves in our lives and in our you know real day-to-day jobs that we then apply to the game and i really appreciate that of him and i think he appreciates that of me and that's why as a team it works so well you know everything from the way that you know, our announcements in Discord are capitalized and the grammar's proper and we spell things correctly all the way down to, you know, including screenshots and the resolution of the imagery is good, which all trickles down into the gameplay on the shard. Um, we maintain and hold ourselves to a really high standard, which I think shows and that appeals to a lot of people, you know, even though they're playing a game for free. They see a really high level of professionalism. You know, we have we have this illusion. I've joked before. I don't know if other people see it the same way that I do, but we operate like you know a game with a multi-million-dollar studio behind us. But the reality is that it's Luthius and I and Expo and you know our great s- team of support staff, but it's a <laughs> a lot of work to make that illusion a reality. And I think people have seen that, and you know they've, they've flocked towards Outlands with you know high expectations, and I think that we're meeting them there when they get into the game. So yeah, maybe from the onset it looked that way. That, it's, it's a lot of work to maintain it that way, but I think it's going well.
0: Uh, yeah, maybe looking back, there might have been one scary moment, and that was, that was all the crazy lag uh, right, right at the beginning.
1: <laughs> yeah, I say all the time how lucky we are to have Jaden. I I really believe that Outlands would have would have tanked if we hadn't had someone like Jaden approach us and and tell us what he could do to fix it. Uh, that was a, that was a a moment sort of two weeks in when we were at max, you know, on our way to max capacity, and there were I didn't know what to do. You know, I was going to bed at four or five o'clock in the morning. We were all working on solutions and trying to come up with ideas, and at one point we thought we were. No denial of service attacks and we thought there were players on the inside that were doing something to cause this amount of lag and we were really trying to attack it from every angle and jayden came by matter of factly and and fixed the issue i think over christmas was really when those patches went in and the, and the problem went away and i mean that was sort of six weeks into the shard and i'm just grateful that people stuck with us to that point because it was pretty hit and miss um, in terms of connectivity, up until then,
0: it wasn't that bad, but you wouldn't have grown as easily, I don't think, because you quickly no. once it got fixed, it it went from a thousand to two thousand to you know plus, and we got an episode where we're interviewing Jaden, and he really clearly highlights how he did it. It's definitely impressive, and it was night yeah. and day. Jaden's a genius. He
1: really is a brilliant sort of computer mind he's working on a few things right now and he's talking in the staff dev chat and i kind of just glaze over as there's a lot going on that he's working on that i just you know trust that what he's doing is going to make the shard run faster and i have to let him go with that uh those roles have kind of slid into place in terms of jaden and vor working on the guts of the shard and Luthius directing the content and me um fielding community all day every day and working on the map i we're really lucky to have Jaden on board who he brings so much to the shard that uh it was kind of a missing link at that point
0: yeah what what was your use before before this in discord and and now what is it are you are you in discord i don't know twenty three hours a day
1: uh yeah, I have discord on my phone unfortunately so I'm pretty much reachable at all hours i definitely turn off a bit more than i used to um people have direct access to me at all times and i think they know that (laughs) so (laughs) i'm around a little too much but it's important for me that i'm in touch with my player base and i know the conversations and the going on of of the community and discord such a hot spot for that Uh, so many times even people who are having issues in game reach out in discord when really you know, they should just page in-game because they'll get support staff sooner than if they messaged me. But yeah, I spent a lot of time in Discord, on the forums, in-game. I was looking at my in-game time and it's something ridiculous and, you know, many days. It's like 60 days of total game time since the shard
0: launched. Oh God, is there a uh, way to check that? I don't know the command.
1: Yeah, you can actually see it on your player profile. I'll show you how, well, how old your account is anyway, but. For you, it's day one, but I can tell you if you want to know your game time.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> I may hit you up. I got I got two characters I play a lot. I may ask you.
1: I think Expo has double me in game time, which just goes to show you how dedicated he is to the project. He's um he's around a lot and often.
0: Yeah, Expo is a he's a hidden gem too. His videos, his highlights, his wiki work, all of that just elevates char to another level. I think uh, the website where yeah, it forms. The-
1: For sure. I was looking at the YouTube channel the other day and it's it's grown and it looks amazing and everything's so cohesive and has such a nice like outward visual identity and that helps to tie in the the whole image of the shard. Expo is certainly a find. I'm grateful for Expo every day for everything that he contributes. He's um, a fantastic addition to the team for sure.
0: So have you learned anything dealing with community? Any uh, Anything you did early in that you've since c- kind of changed and, and maybe altered your stance on things or or how you deal with people?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was going to die if I kept up the way I did when we first started. There was that whole Junathorn stealing the deed incident, and I, I went off the deep end. Like, I I just couldn't imagine that people were so awful. And it wasn't so much the incident. Just to recap, Junathorn was a player who was contributing to the community and was one of the first to have an expensive house and paid a million dollars for the deed. And someone's socio engineered their way to being Junithorn's friend. And when Junithorn dropped their house, they stole their house deed and Junithorn quit. And Junithorn came into Discord and said, well, if I lost my house, um, I quit. And for me, Junithorn was someone who was like a prospect for, you know, a counselor role or moving their way into working on the shard. And, you know, there's a certain mentality that a player has that inclines me to think that maybe they'd be good for staff. And Junothorn was one of them. And Junothorn quit. And if you imagine Discord like a seismograph, at that moment, it would have been like, you know, a 10.4 earthquake on the Richter scale. It just blew up. And at that moment, I felt like I'd lost control of everything. Um, The shard was no longer mine to dictate how things were gonna run. I I couldn't keep up with anything. And that was a real wake-up call for me. To realize how much the game was affecting me and my life and my, you know, my personal opinion of, of people and and the community at large, and also a reality check for how much more impartial I need to be and how I need to let the community handle itself and grow on its own and and choose the direction that it's going to take Uh, you know if you imagine the community as a living organism it you know it definitely trends a little you know chaotic evil most of the time but it has to find its way on its own and that's not something that i can dictate and that's definitely what i've realized is that i can you know impart positivity or negativity or change the direction of a conversation but i can't control who's conversing necessarily so that's been yeah. that's been eye-opening
0: that was uh from a player perspective that discord went to another level and you know i have a buddy who is way way more casual even than i am i'm pretty damn casual and he was checking on discord and, and sent me he sent me a message what the hell's going on why is it so toxic it wasn't like that a couple of weeks ago <laughs> so, yeah I tried to explain to him what was going on, and for some reason, that that brought out the the vocal minority, which they, they felt the shard was going to go one way or another. And if they didn't plant their flag on that issue, you know, it, it would become a game they didn't want to play. Right, it would be lost and, forever. When that and wasn't I, I ever in that danger. I think
1: that was a major, I don't want to say flaw, because it definitely you know was attractive to a lot of people. But there were a few weeks at the beginning of the shard launch when it was chaos you know between bugs that we had that we didn't know about from 18 months in beta because you know our beta testers didn't test things as thoroughly as we had hoped or we didn't catch it or it wasn't reviewed whatever it might have been um and also the murder penalties were nowhere near harsh enough and it was a lawless land and people were killing with impunity and That was tough for a lot of people who were just, you know, new to to Ultima Online, new to the Shard, trying to get a fresh foot in. And also, um, thieves were out of control. And that, you know, like this in-game chaos created like a flurry of excitement and fun and people were reliving this experience that they'd first had when they started playing Ultima Online 20 years ago. Um, But I don't know if it was necessarily the launch that we'd envisioned or the direction that we'd ever hoped the shard went. So when we put in those murder penalty changes and we call it the morality patch, that was the moment in time when thieves changed and when the murder penalties became a bit stricter. And that was definitely a shift, like the first shift in Outlands and in the community. And we lost, you know, quite a big chunk of, of players at that point because they liked, you know, being reds and killing everybody and not having any penalties. But for longevity of a project like this, that just doesn't work. So those were those were touch and go moments in the first few weeks, for sure. It was the was pre morality patch was a, a fun and lawless time. And then Discord reaching fever pitch over that um, Junathorn episode and. The changes that we made to House Deeds, which followed. Um, yeah, it was it was it was pretty wild. I happened to be traveling for work at that moment, which made the whole thing even more inconvenient because I was trying to moderate Discord on my phone. Like between airplane flights, I would jump on and, and read it, and I you know I'd have 300 messages from people or yeah, expos trying his best to moderate, and you know staff are trying to keep things under control. And uh, on one end, I'm being attacked by people saying like, if I'm moderating this heavily, you're ruining the community. And on another hand, people are saying like, why aren't you banning these people? they ruining everything that you've created anyway we took slow mode off after about two weeks <laughs> <laughs> and, and things went back to normal i guess to a certain extent there's always you know vocal minorities which at some point start to feel like vocal majorities
0: when they're you know harping at you nonstop. stop but yeah, yeah well discord is unique you don't you didn't have this you know five years ago even and I wonder if you're in touch with more of a player base than than forums, if that's even a thing, because uh, definitely yeah, Vocaline already so. is I, there, but you just you get you can reach so many more of your your audience this way.
1: Yeah, we have a I think there's almost 5,000 members in our Discord, which pales in comparison to the number of accounts that we have, which now surpasses 20,000 active accounts. So we're definitely reaching people, but it's kind of like. You know, don't get me wrong, I love the Discord community, but I think sometimes it's like the Discord community is the YouTube comment section. They're the people that feel inclined to take part in a community, which aren't necessarily, you know, our actual player base all the time. They're just the people that feel inclined to comment on everything. So Yeah,
0: that's probably you're probably true there a little bit. (laughs) It's
1: sometimes you know, I there's definitely a group of people that I listen to, and we have two small sort of private consultation groups one for PvP and one for PvM and that's generally where most of it's where I know I can go to get feedback from people who are actually playing the game or who I trust with their you know expertise and years of experience
0: yeah yeah don't sure. add me to either of those groups because I don't know <laughs> shit
1: <laughs> and then try to you know I filter a lot of information but for the most part it's really just uh, me I used to wake up in the morning and read every word that was said in Discord overnight. And that was like some weird jail sentence, like self, you know, nihilistic thing that I was doing. And now I don't do that. I I just jump straight into private messages because I wake up to about, you know, 65 or so every morning. Uh, Discord's interesting, for better or worse. It's Definitely a sort of a hub of the community. Not many people use forums people have a serious idea I direct them to the forums and say you know instead of angrily you know bashing your keyboard line after line about something that you're feeling really passionate about why don't you take a step back and form your ideas and make them into a suggestions post on the forum and then you will get responses that are equally well thought out and it will give me a chance to digest what you're saying and you know a grand scheme bigger picture and then I have to take that to Luthius and see how we can integrate it into the game.
0: Yeah, I think I think your your unified front, your your uh, your vision for the game came came out pretty clear at that time with the uh with the the thieving incident, and and then the morality patch as you're calling it, and I don't know, I guess I I always knew that that was coming, was yeah. maybe hindsight twenty twenty I don't know, but if there if there's a dial on how how crazy your sandbox loot full loot game can get, you know. All the way to the right is Darkfall launch, maybe you know. Right. And all the way to the left is EverQuest One, because that's almost like a theme park at that point, but still a little sandboxy, you know. Right. You guys just took that dial and just moved it a little bit. Yeah. You know? Tweaked a couple numbers, and it's nothing drastic. I, yeah. I even, I even thought afterward, like this is not enough penalties, but it actually seemed <laughs> to help right. a little bit.
1: I remember uh, when we were before we chatted with the initial podcast, I was in the. Um, sandbox Discord channel, and you had mentioned murder penalties, and you said this is never going to work. You know, putting gold on murder, murder fees, and, and you know, just knocking people out of the game—it's just not going to work. This isn't, this isn't right. And I had taken those words on board, but it was something that Luthius was really passionate about making work because it hadn't been tried in Ultima Online before. And it, the murder system is so touchy. You know, you either have stat loss on one extreme or you don't have anything on the other, other extreme. And I think right now where we're at is a really nice middle ground. I, there were definitely, you know, we shifted that dial and it's not to say that the dial won't continue to shift, but I think right now we're happy with where the murder system is sitting, you know, the number of reds that we're seeing on the, the server. And also, uh, we're all right with where thieves are sitting at the
0: moment. Yeah. They, thank God I'm not a game designer. <laughs> <laughs> i I have my opinions on the murder count and penalties and stuff, but I think this system has uh for better or worse actually worked, uh, at least to some extent, especially once yeah, you tweaked it.
1: I think it's it's one of those things that's like from an analytic number side of things, which is really our best metric, we look and we see, you know, with fifteen hundred players online, we have sixty five murderers altogether online at that point. And if you jump from one to the other, you see maybe five of them have left their house. The other 60 are burning off counts or they're AFK or whatever it might be. But five reds can really do a lot of damage in a short amount of time. And so for the number side, it doesn't really look that bad. It doesn't look that damaging, but from a player experience, which is what we have to gauge, we have to see how much of an impact that has on their perception of the, sh- of the shard. It's a, it's a Feluca shard, don't get me wrong. You know, we're always chastised for having you know, trammel leanings or you know, role-player leanings. But we have to remember the player experience is, is first and foremost most important and also player retention. Because I don't think many people want to play on an empty shard. And if you cater to these lawless um, classes like thieves and reds, you end up with a, a lawless world that no one plays it, you know, it's all wolves and no sheep. So you have to strike a balance in a way and it's a constant dance and conversation. And I like that you said we come across as a unified front because we're often fuming behind the scenes at each other about the way things should go forward
0: or is. Yeah. so you never should have said that because from, from the outside perspective, it's you guys are always in agreement. It seems like
1: that we work hard to get an agreement. It's it's really like a relationship. Uh, Luthius and I are it's like I went to bed <laughs> angry two nights in a row because I I didn't get my way. <laughs> and I was like, I don't like that. You know, I like to make up before bed and then, but we were you know hashing things out over text and trying to you know or, agree on something, which I you know, was passionate about. Anyway, we ended up in a good spot and released that new uh, test center patch and the part I didn't want is gone. So we work things out behind the scenes and then present a unified front for sure.
0: It, the the murder balance, it, it's a lot of things. It's it's those tweaks to the dial. It's also, I think, some of the player base catching up mechanic-wise. You change a, a lot of skills um, before launch. Tracking and camping and tracking is the biggest one when when it launched no one in my guild had it well i mean a few had it in their build but now it's you go to the builds discussions you've got a pvm build they have tracking in it um i've gone and taken old builds completely reworked drop skills and added tracking and uh it's a it's a big deal on this server it lets you see when reds are coming you know, duck out of dodge or prepare to fight either one it helps reds Track and fight, so it changes the PvP game on their end too. And then people is out running around the world doing PVM. It, it gives them a, a very nice tool to just get intel.
1: Yeah, the tracking skill is definitely something that we recommend people take now for sure. If they're going to be out hunting, it gives them that heads up warning that you know countdown to arrival, and and they can fight or flee. Most of the time they're fleeing, <laughs> but um, we've given people the tools that they need. Uh, a lot of people complain about, you know, getting getting killed or PK'd, whatever it might be. And there's two sides to every point of view. You know, Reds feel like we've now made it too easy for Blues to get away, especially with the dungeon gates and with tracking. And Blues feel like, you know, they're getting killed nonstop everywhere they go. So it's a constant... For me, it's always been about access for reds because I think they can just fly through dungeons and destroy everything in their wake. Uh, a lot of time they're traveling in groups, and there's you know more likely that PKs will be in a group versus solo solo blues. And often we have these you know glass cannon spec PVM players in dungeons that you know couldn't fight back if they tried. Other times, I think that the blues don't even try to fight back. You know they see reds and they just immediately panic and flee. Whereas a lot of the red players are not great players and if the blues did fight back they might have a chance of winning so it's all a bit of psychological warfare at that point
0: yeah i saw i saw Westford Furter talking about that that he's been trying to organize fighting back against reds as he entered dungeons that are fleeing right away and, and is finding some uh some some success there yeah uh, me i die whether i flee and get caught up on. I die if I turn around and prepare to fight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we definitely have
1: some talented um, red players, and a lot of you know our our top blue players also have red characters, and and they go out and you know cause havoc, and that's the joy of a sandbox game. So right now, we're content with where all of that is sitting. I think there was an, an attempt to change the heat of battle mechanics, which we'll probably revisit at some point, but right now.
0: I think it's um, working. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would say if you're going to go in any direction, it, it would be just uh, pump up that fashion system with more additional features and more ways to, to fight with that. Absolutely. A-
1: Absolutely. The way we're rolling content out right now is this test center patch will move on to the live shard, and that's a huge boost to the PBM endgame system. And then the next patch after that is a a pvp patch which we'll see sort of the fully fleshed out faction system being released and we'll have a preview of that coming on the forums um shortly pvm patch that we have incoming is also a bit of a, a pvp patch too and we finally have a resource that people will be fighting over you know they'll have something to contest instead of just sort of aimlessly killing people or aimlessly hunting or, or you know farming whatever it might be so that that it should be an interesting shift in dynamic for the whole shard
0: oh what's the resource you're talking about
1: um the mastery
0: chain system oh because the chains are, are lootable
1: yeah desirable the links themselves you know people will need to have certain links i think there's 54 different links that you can have in um, bronze silver and gold and people will want to you know, build their chains out because of the advantages that they have. I think one misstep that we made, if I was to do something differently, it would be that the aspect system is more difficult to level, that pets are more difficult to level, that skill orbs and skill mastery related items don't drop as easily, that treasure chests weren't as lucrative as they were in the first few weeks. I think all of those things would have helped us to facilitate more of a long-term vision of the shard without having to move into an additional system like what we're about to roll out. So those things, you know, if I was asked what might have you, you've done differently, I think those would be the key pieces. Oh, as in harder than
0: they are currently?
1: Yeah. We had people that were, you know, level 10, level 10 within 2 weeks. I'm, and it's, I'm
0: tier tier 3 on aspect and tier 1 on another and you're doing you know. well
1: you're doing well <laughs> i know and i know that that you know you represent the majority of players who are playing and the and the casual gamer and it's really hard to balance an entire world around power gamers you know we have certain players that are playing 20 hours a day and they have since the day we launched and they're you know plowing through content and, and frothing at the bit for something more and historically when we've seen shards fail it's because they didn't address end game content soon enough so we just want to jump the gun and you know preemptively have these systems that people can really dig into for for a long time to come as outlands is going to be up for for years hopefully oh so yeah uh, i think it could you know these end game supposedly end game systems could have taken a little bit longer to to work their way up you know we even released two more aspect levels and people are already finished and they have exponential increases in the amount of experience that you need to gain and people are already level 12 and they're asking for more and because they don't have more they're not logging into play so it's uh, a tricky balance make things approachable
0: but the kid just keep incrementally increasing power gain and power creep either you have to be really delicate there because you'll just you'll You'll mess uh, the whole balance up of the game
1: yeah and make it impossible for new people to start uh, that's one thing that i'm really excited about is the removal of active skill gain and i know that i sort of chatted briefly with you about this earlier there were this is one of those behind the scenes <laughs> conversations that we had active skill gain is something that luthius is really passionate about but it got completely out of control um Active skill gain is the mechanic where you go and kill something and you get 10 minutes of five times boosted skill gain and then you have to kill something again and you know you can just keep it up infinitely but within like a day you know the first bird was killed in a minute people are recalling to Shelter Island killing a bird getting their bonus recalling home and macroing and at one point we had a patch going in where we were going to turn that off so magic travel was going to stop it and that was another sort of earthquake moment in discord when you thought the world was oh gonna yeah end.
0: Uh, for sure yep
1: and i backed off that was it was me i messaged luthias and i said let's just take this out of the patch um before it even went online so that was something that we you know presented in a patch note an hour before the patch actually went live and it was already gone before the patch was on the server and that i think is a regret you know that's one of those moments when i wish i just held my ground and we let active skill gain work the way it was supposed to but I think what we've come to realize, or what I've come to realize and really pushed for, is that in a 21-year-old game like Ultima Online, people don't see skill gain as something that's enjoyable at all. And on a shard like Outlands, which has so much content beyond character development, forcing people into this pigeonhole of working on their skills in some way isn't enjoyable at all. It's people are in the mindset, you know, and have been spoiled over the years that skill gain's easy. They can either buy it or do it AFK and that's just the way it is, and I think it was ambitious for us to ever try to decide to make it something else. And I really it think that's what it comes to.
0: Yeah, I, I can only speak from my perspective, which is a, a new player to, to UO. I have a little bit of experience with past shard, but not much at all, and not past the macro phase. And why I quit all those, I'd hop in. My buddy would say, "Here's you four macros. Run this for two days. Run this one for a day. right? You know." And then Saturday we'll play, and right. Saturday would come, and I would quit. That right. happened probably three times uh because i had I had no veteran experience to know what was awaiting me, whereas outlands it was hey, hop in, play, go have fun right away, see what see what's in our game, and then load up on all these amazing uh new buff skills that you can get super easy to seventy. We were just cranking out crazy damage, you know an hour in, and it was a lot of fun. I got to see the game, fall in love with it, and then find macros to augment that when i right. wanted to of course i didn't know about bird macros until two months in so i think I, I completely seven times to my warrior you know all from active gains right and i i nothing you said is wrong all of that's true uh, and i actually probably even agree with it now that i have six months of, of uo experience but it is a uh, it is a hard sell to tell a new player, you know, hey, hop in, but you really want to go run all these macros for a little bit before we play right. together.
1: Right. And I think that well, I mean it, on the same token, the the conversation surrounding active skill gain is uh don't do it, you just need a bird macro. And that that was how it was sold and that's how the community has sold it to new players, which definitely isn't the intention of the developers. But no,
0: no, the bird macro thing is awful. It that yeah, had to be that it, had to be ditched. It's it's completely uh crazy. Yeah. Their macros are so it's, complex. You can hand it to the new player and he won't even be able to, you know, figure out what the macro's doing.
1: Right. So now they figure that they are gaining at five times slower the rate of everyone else just because they can't figure out how to use steam. You know, they they don't know how to set up their bird macro. So the perception, the community perception, player perception of active skill gain was just kind of it was borked from from the get go. Anyway, we talked about it a lot. Luthius wanted to make it so everyone gained it five times naturally, and then if you went out and hunted, killed something with greater than one difficulty, you would gain it ten times active rate. So we still had active skill gain in some way, but magic, travel, or hiking, or whatever it might be how you got there would negate it. So you couldn't just, you know, recall to a graveyard, kill something with a more complex macro and then head home to finish macroing. You would have had to actually stay out and hunt to get your TEDx. Anyway, that all just seems to be like an even more complex barrier of entry. It doesn't make joining the shard easier. And we definitely, want to encourage new players to stick around and if they have this perception or the community is telling them that they need you know a bird macro or, or even worse they need to recall to a graveyard and kill a skeleton and then incorporate healing and then they have to go and hide and they can you know if they run around outside of the graveyard they can finish macroing or it just we're just going back to to simple and i think that that is really the best way forward for skill gain. The rest can be complex and, you know, barrier, the, the barrier of entry into all of these systems, like you said, like the aspect system was like reading Chinese when it first was released. And now it's quite intuitive, which is definitely something we strive to do. But, you know, skill gain doesn't have to be like reading Chinese in a game that's 21 years old. It, no, no. it just doesn't have to be like that. So I think the skill gain change is definitely a, a positive one moving forward.
0: Yeah, I I'm in agreement. It's 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 a positive moving forward. It's also probably a good change at this stage of the game with bird macros having been in for for six months. I would have liked to have yeah. seen loot this idea five months ago, but at this point yeah. I think I think this is probably a good route.
1: For sure, for sure. I think you know, in terms of population, we hit what is December 2nd, we hit 2062 players, I think, or 2068, which wasn't a number that we ever expected to hit. I think when I spoke to you on the Sandbox podcast, I was like, Yeah, maybe, you know, we'll peak at five hundred or, or you know, a thousand max. I don't even remember. It was
0: it was never gonna be five
1: hundred. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was never gonna be two thousand and sixty-eight either. And there was never any expectation that we would hit that that number of players. And slowly, you know, the morality patch probably knocked off you know, 200 and we ended up at 1800. And then people get really excited about launch and then they leave, they burn out. You know, that's why we're seeing this sort of big rush of, of IDOCs right now, houses falling on the shard, because these were all players that went, you know, gung ho for the first three months and now they're they're gone. You know, they burned out or they've left or they've gone to another shard or, or whatever it might be. So now the population hovers around 1500 on an average night, you know, weekends, we get close to 1600 but haven't been over 1600 in quite some time. So really, while we're introducing all this amazing new end game content and and working out new ideas and fixing systems like the aspect system which had had a complete overhaul, I think that the skill gain change is really timely, you know, to encourage people who maybe were skeptical to try out Outlands or they're really established on their current shard and don't want to, you know, dip their feet into something like Outlands, changing the skill gain system altogether or reverting it back to something that people are more familiar with, I think is timely. You know, we might see a bit of an uptick in population. You're
0: gonna get veterans that for sure just had no interest in any kind of slow progression. Uh this will definitely pique their interest. But the uh the population numbers, I mean, I, I have friends that are taking a break, that have quit. Um, there's also new players coming in. You would think population will be decreasing but it it doesn't seem like that in game are you just are you noticing just people that are are being funneled out are being replaced with new players or
1: yeah absolutely and i think one thing too that we saw when we launched was that people were running three clients because they wanted to progress as quickly as possible on as many characters as possible but now the majority of of players are only logged in with one one ip so if you have you know fifteen hundred. 1450 characters running around the world feels just as busy as if you had 2000 characters running around but two are macroing so it's it's active I mean it seems more active than ever before I think that you know that you can't go into a dungeon without running into a group you know, rarely dungeons fall below five players typically they're around 10 15 you know we see upwards I checked the other night there were like 25 people in Cavernum, and I thought you know there's got to be a boss up or something but no it was just you know groups of people farming and playing around so yeah the, the shard is the shard is busy it's busier than it's ever been for sure you know people are established and they're jumping into end game content and they're they're playing the game there's a lot of you know, guild animosity that's starting to grow and tournaments are happening and notoriety and you know community in game is definitely is bustling so good Sure so uh,
0: let, let's talk about some of your, your recent changes, uh, just big, big changes that have happened in the last couple months. months. Uh, first up is the the Aspect system overhaul, which you just mentioned. And that's a cool one because uh, before the Aspect system, you would you would activate it and it would. Uh, actually, I'm trying to remember how it worked before because I've been using the new one for so long. <laughs> it didn't you had, use a, your you had a suit
1: that you kept charged, basically. Right. Yeah. So, and so
0: when you die, the suit would, uh, would go away. But become unblessed. You, yeah, if you screwed up and revived somewhere where there were people, they could loot it from you. Whereas right? Na- now it overwrites your set of gear, which keeps crafters involved in the system. Right.
1: So, this coincided with the launch of Cavernum, which was a huge event. Um we had 454 players in Cavernum Dungeon, the shard crashed 3 times. There were all kinds of issues <laughs> with that whole rollout that you know, if we could do that again we definitely would but one of the main things was that we had announced that it was a safe event that no one would lose their gear you know they couldn't be looted they couldn't be killed by other players they couldn't be stolen from it was just meant to be a fun you know safe pvm event for a massive group of people so everyone showed up in their aspect gear because they wanted to do the most damage because there was also a contest associated with cavernum opening. Or whoever slayed the most monsters. Halfway through, one of the rules that Luthius had put in prevented people from healing their pets. So PVM event, like seventy percent of the people there are tamers and they couldn't heal their pets. Disaster number one. <laughs> so he takes the shard down, he brings it back up, and the rules are completely changed. It's no longer a safe event. People are dying, they're losing their aspect gear, they're being stolen from, they're being killed. It goes to a completely chaotic lawless event and that was the moment when i knew without a doubt that we had to change the way aspect was handled we had a lot of people that would log in play on their aspect character when their aspect became unblessed they'd stop playing and that wasn't good for any you know longevity on the shard they would you know they'd have 24 hours where they just wouldn't log in they wouldn't play so I mean, in addition to the people that were, you know, losing a set or they were being killed or they were out hunting with it an unblessed and they got it looted off of them, a, something like a command set was um like 800k at that point. It's way more now, but, you know, that's a big loss for a player to take if they've made a mistake. So I'm always sympathetic to that sort of thing. And. I said to Luthius that we need to make a change to how aspects handled, because I don't think the current system has any longevity. And we formulated this idea where instead of having an actual aspect set, you just activate your aspect and it converts the gear that you're wearing into aspect gear. So when you die, you'd lose your aspect activation, but you don't lose this super expensive set that you've you know spent money and time to build, which in turn creates a bit of an economy. Brings craftspeople back into the fore because they're now selling armor, and if you're using an, you know an averite mace, you're getting that tactics bonus on top of uh, what your aspect is providing you, and the whole thing becomes a bit more sort of cyclical in terms of the economy.
0: And it's it's crazy how how much this ties back into the game. This this one overhaul, magic items, crafters, uh, or rarity, or maps. It, it's far-reaching what it did for the game being able to add activations for people that die a lot on their build maybe so they can just go out more often and not have to you know have multiple suits built and uh just the way it works just the the ease of use ease of onboarding with it even because uh the the system before was was similar but i think this is easier to, to to handle and easier to to understand uh very very cool and uh, you know, all the crafters in our guild were, were excited to see it come into it, couldn't wait to to have some relevance again, too. Yeah, and had you kept going, you know, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe blacksmiths would you know, the role on the server wouldn't be a, as big six months a year. And once you know, more and more people are are loaded with aspect gear,
1: yeah, it's a, a far reaching system. And I thought that it, w- it was important. Uh, the idea with aspect gear initially was that you had you know, one set of armor and one weapon that you really adored. Like if you can imagine a knight, you know, polishing their armor night after night and they take it out and, you know, it's their their gallant set that they're wearing into into battle. But it doesn't work like that. You know, in an open world, open loot game, it it just doesn't work like that. And people literally exist in the game solely to ruin it for others. And they'd see someone in a shiny aspect suit and kill them just to, you know, ruin their day.
0: And, well, and now, now if they kill them, they, they, they get some loot. Yeah, yeah now, they get,
1: now they get some loot, but it's not as devastating for the player who's been killed. You know, it's certainly frustrating. And one problem that this system hasn't solved yet is if you're out of activations, you still are out of the game. You know, you may not go hunting because you're not working your aspect up, which you feel is the current goal that you're working on. So actually in a patch tonight, I think we have the role of aspect phylacteries is changing to be an item that you can use to add more activations to your suit so they'll become more valuable and that should keep people you know more charged up and and playing more often than even they are currently
0: yeah add the uh add the skill gain changes to that patch too yeah
1: i, I try <laughs> you i announced
0: this, that people people just want it as fast as possible i know
1: they're frothing at the bit and i think they're even like they're not working in characters right now because they know that it's coming i asked Luthius about it today i texted him while he was at work <laughs> and i said like we have to Aspect weapons are currently bugged since the patch last night. Um, typical development—you fix one bug and you introduce like four more. So we have a patch going in to fix that, and I suggested that we put in the skill gain patch as well. And he said it might take a little longer to set up, so he's dragging his feet, but I'll get him there. <laughs>
0: nice. Yeah, so I mean that's cool. The other big thing that's happened in the last uh, month or so is you—you you brought in Corpse Creek contest, which. I haven't done, but I'm in a very PVM guild, uh, beard <laughs> brothers. And even we've had some participation in it and a couple of wins there, which got us a nice boon in a, um, in a dungeon for a little while. Nice. It's cool. I, I think players are liking it. Uh, I'll have to check it out eventually once I, once I get dragged to PVP, but it's cool. I think, I think players are excited about it. And you, know, you guys are tackling not only PVM stuff, but, but interesting PVP things for the game.
1: Yeah, the Corpse Creep contest stemmed from the discussion about how meaningless the faction content is on Outlands. <laughs> because right now it's <laughs> it's basically an arcade game. You know, you can log in six times a day for half an hour and you can get your PvP fix without losing anything. And typically those players are logging in and logging out and they're not contributing in any way to the you know, the lifeblood of the server. Um so I think the reason for that is because it's not integrated in any way into the game. People don't Get any reward? They don't get any real world benefit. They don't, you know, even get sort of EP bragging rights about show score or, or anything like that. And that is definitely a, a shortcoming in terms of the faction content that we have. So CCC Corpse Creek contest was kind of rolled out as a stopgap between integrating faction content into a, a bigger, broader picture, and it was something that was suggested by Tristan, who's in the Umbral Guild, and. People, like, faction fights, the faction struggles would happen, and then the gang would try to rally the troops to go to Corpse Creek to have some fights in a lawless area just to get PvP. You know, the PvPers just wanted PvP for PvP's sake. And now they have a purpose. So five minutes after faction struggles happen, the Corpse Creek contest starts, and I built a new area that's sort of south of the little town in Corpse Creek in a flat, non-obstructed, no-housing area. And there's a platform and people have to defend the point similar to a capture point, but it's a single one and the whole region counts as the arena for that event and whoever wins it after a half hour of testing the point in Corpse Creek gets a chest, a treasure chest, which ranges randomly from a level four to a level seven chest, so the loot can be quite good and profitable and if they don't loot it after 10 minutes it becomes open so other players can loot it so they have to also defend the chest after the event is over and it has been extremely popular the first week we introduced it we were seeing like 50 people there fighting over this chest and now i mean i think there are typically people at every one i think i've seen two or three no-shows one guild just standing around waiting for half an hour to open their chest without being contested. But for the most part, they're extremely active. And I think that's a good indication for PvP content moving forward is that it needs to be, you know, purpose driven. And that's something we've definitely taken on board for for the future um faction system expansion stuff. The model of the model of Corpse Creek is definitely working.
0: We're yeah, go it, it is i also would like to see it go uh maybe a little eve online where you're you're fighting over territory moving back and forth sieges that, that kind of thing I, I don't know how possible that is to get into uo but or if other shards have done that in the past Once you're
1: but... on to you're on to something with that idea for sure the faction system in the future will see three major bases which you can capture and defend and it will integrate all all play styles and We're working on an element that might be transient, but for the most part, it will be, you know, stationed on on three castles. So, yeah, I said
0: said we would talk past, but I can't help myself
1: myself. (laughs) talk about future. Uh,
0: So, another a big thing, uh, at least that I'm concerned about, is, is classic UO. I've been I've been involved with that since I don't know the first release that he dropped on the on the GitHub, and I dove right in. I've been testing it. Pretty much my primary client for the last month and a half, if not two months, uh, helping them find bugs and, and things. And and just recently it it showed up on the Outlands launcher. So all the shit I used to do to get that thing launched is, is now one click, one click and you're testing the client, which has been cool because now the testers are, are enormous. But of course I'm dealing with a little bit of what you are, which is, uh, I think I've answered the same question a yeah. hundred times. Read the times. fact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for everyone that doesn't know, uh, it does not have counters in your title bar. It never will. <laughs>
1: It'll never work with Steam. Please don't ask. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it, it's come a long way. That, that client is, I think, fully playable for someone that does PVM. PVP is doable with a couple, if you're willing to alter some of your, your setup and, and to dive in, do some initial things i think it will be ready for pvp when they they actually finally get the the revamped uh razor port over because then some of the targeting issues are, will will be gone yeah that it currently has that's kind of last step to get it usable everywhere and, and then just all the bugs are kind of on the fringe now little little minor things that may annoy you but it's 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 far surpassed where orion was when we last left it so it's a very very cool client
1: Classic UO is is amazing. I
0: it's another project
1: that Jaden's you know lead on and seems like everything he touches turns to gold. But I sort of kept my eye on it. I'm not a savvy enough computer guy to go ahead and, you know, compile code off of a Git. Neither so, was I.
0: Neither was I. I pestered <laughs> Karasho, I don't know, an hour one day, I'm like, teach me how to do this. Okay, what do I download? <laughs>
1: so now that it's on the launcher um a lot people have a lot more easy access to it including myself so i'm playing on classic uo as my primary client now i'm also annoying Karasho with every little thing that i don't like and the speed at which he makes changes and develops that client er, it's impressive i mean if you think that you know, Luthius and i are making changes to the shard the rate at which he's developing classic uo is is remarkable
0: it's freakish i i tried that two months ago it, it was probably like i don't know 99 percent garbage unusable and then two weeks later it was usable and then a month later it was oh i can i can play in this full time yeah and then now it's almost it's almost ready to go out pvp and full time it's it's crazy what that guy does alpha 5 was a major milestone because before it was a lot of crashes and After Alpha Five, your crashes are are way down. I'll play an entire day with no crash now.
1: Yeah, and I think that the ease of access is bringing PvPers to it, so their feedback will now help that side of things move along quicker. Uh, There, there's often been requests for a client called Salos to be supported by Outlands, which isn't something we ever had plans to do. But if Classic UO can fill the void for players who enjoy Salos, I think it's a really great solution to what they're looking for. Yeah. Well Salos yes and a, no.
0: I think Salos players also want off screen targeting. That's probably the main right. reason why they want it. They're, they're not going to get that yeah, in classic um, UO, but
1: no Salos definitely has features that have notoriously been considered cheat features. It also opens up a can of worms to people who have their own versions of Salos, which can do things that, you know, are humanly not possible. And you have to, you know, once you open that gate, you're opening gates for everybody you know their own personal client if they can code which is shady territory we're already dealing with that by the clients that we allow to connect to outlands which is a whole other story which we don't necessarily need to touch on tonight but i think the future with classic UO is really exciting i like the way it makes my world look <laughs> it looks all of those hours spent world building um it's fun to zoom out and run around and, and take it all in it's a yeah, very it's,
0: slick It's a treat. Uh, even experience. if you don't, how I used Orion is probably how a lot of players will use Classic UO, which is, yeah, they use Steam and Razer for their primary one, but maybe maybe a session a week. Fire it up and just run around the world and, and check things out because it's it's just so easy. It's like a breath of fresh air uh, playing UO on, on that client.
1: Yeah. there are, I'm now messaging Karasha with every little thing that annoys me. And it changes them so quickly. But uh, it's definitely, it's fully playable for me on the admin side. Of course, uh, it's I haven't crashed once using it. My issue with Classic UO, which I've made very clear to Jaden and Karasho, is that the name is awful. They've called a new modern client Classic. And when people are messaging me, they're like, oh, the Classic client, you know, Just I have to now specify, like, are you talking about logging in with? You know, Steam or Razor, and the actual classic UO client, or are you talking about classic UO? Oh, I think I don't know. I asked Carasho how much Outlands needs to donate uh, to name it, so we could just call it you know, the Outlands client, whatever. I, I don't,
0: I don't know what uh, that name is awful. So I, I say original client when I'm talking Steam and Razor and Outlands right. default client, and then I say classic UO or classic client or. It is bad. I don't know what, and he loves that name. Like you can't get him to change it for anything.
1: I think because he admires Jaden so much, and Jaden's the one that came up with it. But I was trying to think of things like play on words, and I, you know, got super creative in the wrong direction. Nouveau UO, let's call it that. You know, play on new, nouveau, French. But just UO N U V O. So it was the Nouveau client. But that didn't go anywhere. Crash, I wasn't sold on that idea. I don't know if I'm sold on that idea, but we just need something of it been Classic UO.
0: Yeah, it's got some cool features coming, too. I think eventually the assistant will even be baked inside the client, so it won't be two applications, which would be a huge hurdle because uh, that will let people play in Mac or Linux without without any kind of weird issues you have to do currently. Uh, it's got some right. other things. You got, it needs loot grid and the title bar replacement and couple other things to kind of really uh, a new scripting system. And over time, I think all that will come in. And then you'll probably see your player base slowly migrate over to it. I don't know what, what percentage it will tackle. But on the launcher, it gives it a good shot anyways.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that it is the future. You know, the, the exciting prospect of Classic UO is that the server is coded in C-sharp the client is coded in C sharp, the assistant is coded in C sharp, which allows us basically to create our own packet code. So we could potentially do things like, you know, if you went into an underwater dungeon, we could turn your whole screen blue, because those packets could send equally, you know, across the board that speak in the same language. Whereas right now we're, we're interpreting the packets of the client as it exists, because it's hard coded. And then the server does one thing the assistant does another, and we don't really have full control over anything but the server and it gets to be quite complicated so the pipe dream of having everybody on classic uO is definitely uh, enticing but people get stuck in their way after playing a game for a certain way for 20 plus years oh so if yeah you're yeah. used to you know your steam macros pulling that away from somebody is it's like a, yeah. a death. A death wish for you know asking them to leave the shard, so we'll if we're doing a, if
0: we're doing a look back maybe maybe six months ago you don't launch with steam, but uh yeah you know.
1: yeah maybe i I wish I'd had that foresight, but I didn't, so here we are
0: <laughs> well i think uh, I think Luthias likes it because it was on it's on his past servers i think and and uh, you don't see it on on other shards that you know, they just have razor only.
1: Yeah, some shards only have Razor only. Other shards offer more clients than we have, and they have more functionality. Uh, target closest is always the hot topic, which we'll see where we end up on that debate. A lot of people just want us to enable target closest. We're sort of adamant that we're never going to enable target closest. The just give be a target closest
0: monster. That's Right, which is
1: something that we could do with Classic UO. You know, Jaden could hop in and code that feature. But that's not something that we have control over with Steam. I've offered the developer of Steam, you know, five figures, and he won't even respond. To, but try to buy the source code from him so that we can integrate it into Classic UO, or at least dissect what's going on behind the scenes and release our own version of Steam and change the, you know, protocol banning, you know, outright Classic or um, target closest. But they don't respond. <laughs> they have no interest in, in being involved in the Ultima Online community. Part of me can't blame them for various reasons. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. You. know we'll all, see where are you know all about now. that intimately. Yeah,
1: we'll see where we end up with the client. I, I mean, in a like a dream world, we migrate everybody to Classic UO once it's ready. But I think the client, the client is close, but the assistant leaves a bit to be desired in terms of um, scripting functionality and and grid loot and you know a few other things that Steam really excels at. For better or worse, you know, people can do crazy things with the Steam scripting language and that's both you know, exciting and a detriment I think for, for the game.
0: Yeah, you'll have to wait and just see what the migration is like uh, how much of your player base actually does it and, and, the, and what, in a way, the negatives and positives of whether a move fully to it is even worth worth doing.
1: Yeah, I like in my idealistic sense having everyone on the same level playing field Is really enticing you know something that we can control fully instead of having no idea what people are connecting on or if they are using cheap versions of something or their own hacked client or they took the source code of classic uo and now they have a fully automated lumberjack you know those sorts of things are definitely definitely possible uh we've toyed around with the idea internally of launching some kind of like esports for ultima online and the reality of that is that we have no idea what anyone's connecting on so if we could force everyone onto one client at least it would be you know a level playing field more based on skill and less based on having a game that plays itself those sorts of things are what cross our mind
0: so i, I would be uh i would get in big trouble if i don't mention a couple of these uh community questions to you. the first one <laughs> <laughs> these all come from my guildmates. uh so the first one is from webus he uh I don't know if you've seen him in game, but that guy I think is the number one achievement uh getter in the game. Yeah. And there are a couple he's he's explaining it in great detail. <laughs> I just gotta say one thing, I'll set him off for like twenty things in Discord, he'll start going off. But I think basically like certain things are linked to another and uh you can't quite get all the achievements. There's something in the achievements that are broken. Yeah,
1: achievements and, are broken and they have been since we launched.
0: <laughs> Which and, is
1: that's shameful. To admit. He wants
0: a leaderboard too. He wants to see a leaderboard. I guess with uh, for achievements, achievements well. like most achievements, I think, I think we could so. definitely
1: do that. I know that Wes also is like he has a completionist mentality when he plays the game, and he wants to accomplish as much as he can on one character. So I could definitely see adding most achievements to a leaderboard. I, I don't think that's out of the question. I we've kept Luthius so busy generating content that he hasn't had a chance to sit down and untangle the achievement system, which. He says we'll take him about five hours. So all of that data is stored. People just aren't getting the credit for it, you know, especially with taming. You know, people are are jamming taming, or they're getting 20 one twenty taming. That's the most common request that we get, and they say that they don't have their achievement points for for finishing taming. And now our our page response used to be, "Oh, thank you so much for reporting this. You know, we'll try to get this fixed as soon as possible." And now it's like. <laughs> uh, Achievements are broken. We'll get to it eventually, like something to that effect. Just because it hasn't, it hasn't been reprioritized as something that we need to sort out. But it's been on the bug tracker for uh, since October 27th. So hopefully, we'll get it sorted out eventually. I,
0: I think the the players that care about it are small as far as overall player base, but man, they they are way into it. Uh, yeah, it's so. it's
1: one of those you know carrots that we've dangled over players' heads to, to keep going and to work towards a goal and you know the system is great. It just needs to function properly. So what I would say is the things you've achieved are not lost. They're just not being represented properly by the display a sort of front facing system on the achievement side. So if you're not, it's all there. It's just a matter of us putting it all back together.
0: I know there there's also odd things like you get a hundred thousand kills but then you start over on the three thousand, three hundred thousand kills, and you start over on the 500,000 kills. That's another complaint I get.
1: Okay. I hadn't heard about that, so I'll add it to the bug tracker. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, and, and this is going to tie in the chain system, because I think you can use some of those those points you get, reward points you get from achievements. So having To buy links. Yeah, to buy links. So yep. yeah, Luthius might have to finally tackle that before a chain comes out. I, I don't know sink his teeth into it
1: i'll remind (laughs) him i'm sure he'd love a little prod to focus on that one
0: (laughs) uh another big one i think you see a lot of the community especially pvm community and and with the chain system coming up with bosses is uh if it's from shadowstone what are your plans to minimize the toxicity of certain guilds that monopolize end game content i think he's primarily (laughs) referring to to boss content but
1: right which guild are you referring to shadowstone um <laughs> so the intent of the boss system is that every guild will now have the opportunity to summon and take a boss if they want to. So the way it's working right now, which I think is an idea that we're shifting away from for all content is that players do content on our schedule instead of on their own schedule. And the key is that players are able to do content on their own schedule. So right now the way the future boss summoning system is set up is through your guild menu you'll see all nine dungeons listed and each dungeon will have a quota of monsters that you need to kill so i think right now the amount of gold we've settled on is a million gold killed and once you reach that quota if the boss isn't currently summoned or up you know someone's not contesting that boss then you'll be able to summon the boss yourself and from my idealistic point of view That allows a guild to say, on our journey to completing our Tomb of Heroism, where we have all 18 bosses laid out and completed in hopes of summoning the Omniboss for our Mastery Chain Link, we need to kill all of the bosses in every dungeon. So your guild can say, like, this week we need to farm Darkmire Temple to reach our quota. So it gives your guild a purpose for the week. You can go and say, all right, Nat Ryle and Shadowstone, you guys take Cavernum this week. We'll go and do Palma, whatever it might be. And as you work your way towards the quota, you'll have the opportunity to summon the boss once you reach it. So once you have your boss ready to summon, you can say, all right, schedule it with your guild. Friday night at 9 p.m., we're taking on Infernus and Inferno. And that allows you to have all your best PVMers, have all your best PVPers, potentially have an alliance that you're working with, be there to protect you. You know, It gives you time to plan and schedule these things on your own, which will give you the best opportunity to defend a boss from a guild that might raid you. Short of instancing the content, this is the best we can offer you, is the ability to schedule this on your own time. Because you owe us a sandbox. If we remove the contesting rating aspect of the game, it will begin to fall flat. So that's how we're planning to minimize guilds monopolizing end game content is by giving guilds that don't have the coordination or the manpower or the skill the opportunity to at least dip their toes into it and see how far they can get. So it might mean you know making an alliance with a with a PvP guild to see you know what they could offer you.
0: Yeah, plus you're dangling a huge carrot in the ch- in the chain system, the new chain system to motivate people to to up their coordination to make that happen as well. Exactly. Yeah. So if you
1: have a maxed out chain, you know, you're dealing damage that much faster or you're taming that much quicker or whatever it might be, you know, those chain links will be valuable and they'll be sought after. So once you kill a boss, you get your um token of heroism which you can add to your tomb of heroism which then gives you a chance to summon an omniboss which is one of three different kinds of um demons i think is what we've ended on
0: (laughs) yeah the omniboss system looks cool so if anyone wants to hear we've dropped a couple hints with with the future stuff coming i think you've got a developer debrief tomorrow i'll probably have this podcast uploaded about the same time so <laughs> listen to this one for for past ret- ret- retrospective and the debrief will you go kind of deep dive and touch that base bit. on the future or, or you can read the test center patch and the forms, which is uh a crazy amount of of text to to parse and uh make sense of, but it's all in there too all the all the stuff that's coming,
1: yeah, that's sort of a all encompassing p v m endgame injection into the shard, which we're really excited about. There's a few map additions that are coming as well, which I think are really cool. Um, one that I'll mention is that I've been working with the orc clans who have asked for a new orc fort, which they're able to defend and sort of run community events out of, which I'm always for supporting. So that orc fort will go into in the next map patch. And then because I added an orc fort, I got rid of an orc fort uh, elsewhere and made that into a new Lawless area, which will have a spawn there, which will have some loot, which you're required to have to enter into this boss system, and it all begins to sort of intertwine. So lots of stuff yeah. coming.
0: I've got a I've got a two part interview coming. Uh, one with one with Nero. I'm going to butcher these guys' names. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then a two part. And then the second part will be Kil- Kilgul and Aya. I, yeah. I'm going to try and interview all the orc clans and just figure out what the what the heck these guys are about yeah uh, that's awesome that you're gonna give them a little 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 boon here on the server yeah i've always said that
1: if role playing groups establish themselves here i'll do what i can on the map side to help encourage their role playing i think that role players are really fun you know it's a, a sort of a flip coin of the pvp side of things they're just you know here to enjoy themselves and there's you know never really drama and they always just want to have a good time so he can go back to UO's fantasy roots and create. I mean, I think Merrill started to cry when I showed him the Orc fort because he's been playing an orc for twenty years and he's always, you know, it's been so haphazard and put together in a way that never really met his expectations. And now I've created an orc fort sort of to their specifications. And for me to be able to do that for a guy that's been playing UO for twenty years is is pretty cool. So I'm always happy to always happy to make those things work.
0: Uh so my my last compete question, uh is from a dark or jack churchill and uh, he wants to know if you have any plans for some large housing areas to be opened up or, or added to the game in the future
1: not right now um i'm always toying with the idea of a map expansion mostly because i feel like i don't have any more room to play short of making new dungeons or adding new you know subterranean areas the overland is really full there's a lot of content that's on it um and now of course I'm working around player housing if I do want to add anything. That's one reason why I was able to add this new um demon area, lawless area, is because I was i removed an orc fort. But I had to double check exactly where I was building, you know, compare and center to in game to make sure I wasn't running over anyone's houses. I actually shared a picture of it and someone immediately went and placed a wagon right in the center of it, which I had blocked off because there were no houses there and I didn't want any houses there, but players are crafty and <laughs> oh, cheeky gosh. so i had to move that way again and, and tell them to go somewhere else but I, I just like to build you know mapping was definitely what got me into all of this and it's my favorite pastime still you know it's a great escape from the game itself and from from discord if i can just turn everything off and go map and i would love to to build more i think what we're toying around with right now is an additional sort of t two a sized expansion which would be off map but accessible through different means, and that would include a new town, a new dungeon, and multiple points of interest, but we don't foresee that area having any housing so right now I would say no um, I don't see any large housing areas opening up in the near future so our house sales system allows people to work the real estate angle on their own and they can coordinate things and you know, as houses drop, you can place houses in their in their spot. All of that sort of stuff is sort of natural UO um UO fair. No, not at the moment. There's been whispers about the guild prestige points being used towards building things. Um during beta it said that if you reached a certain amount of points, I would build you a guild house on the map, like an actual static guild house. But we never put any numbers to that. Now guilds are getting quite high. You know, there are some that are close to 5,000. So it might be time for me to put some numbers down in an official post to announce exactly what you could buy with your guild prestige. But for now, that's all just speculation.
0: Well, uh, Owen, thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Um, do you have anything else you want to you want to say before we go?
1: Well, thank you, first of all. Uh, I think Inside Outlands is really awesome. It's flattering to think that a project that we created has enough of a community and an interest to have its own podcast. So definitely thank you for taking this on board and thank you for all of your feedback on classic UO. And I'm glad that you're, you're still with outlands. It's been, it's been a fun sort of five and a half months so far, and I can't wait to see what the next years bring the project, but definitely thanks. Um, thanks for all your contributions to it.
0: Yeah. I always tell friends that, that haven't come check it out yet. I, I did always tell them this is a long-term thing. I think it's going to be around, For a very long time, and uh, so like you haven't missed anything yet. Get get in now, come have fun. You know, play this game. Yeah,
1: I know. People say like we're making these patches. Like it's a little late, you know, in regards to skill gain in particular. Like it's a little late. (laughs) We've been online for five and a half months. It's like there's it's never too late to make changes that are meaningful and for the better of the shard. So, yeah, no time like the present if you want to hop on. All
0: right, thanks, Owen. I will for sure pester you to come back on i'll give you a, a couple months break we'll, we'll have some more crazy <laughs> events happen and stuff but i really appreciate it thank you yeah my pleasure thanks for having me and i'll see All you right. in game so uh go to our website insideoutlands.com. you can join our discord there we have a link uh i'll have show notes for this links to the forum threads and such that me and no one talked about uh see you guys next week thanks